Hey, Daniel here from Markers on the Map, and this week Robert and I are consumed by bug snacks. We're also talking about Bloodborne, Godfall, and a couple other games. Plus, we've got a few new game announcements, a few new PS Plus games, and a few new updates to PS4 games. Check us out on Twitter at Markers on the Map, and thanks for listening. chocolate peanut butter tree from the bag i think to myself these reese's white chocolate peanut butter trees are kind of like a bug snack in that they are so delicious and i crave them and i'm getting a little worried here would that be concerning to the point where you think you're gonna like just have a truckload full of these white chocolate snacks actually I passed on buying another bag of them yesterday because I think I'm getting a little out of hand. So I, I bought a Hershey's bar instead because, you know, it's Christmas and sometimes you just want some Christmas candy. But, I mean, they're so good, though. I mean, that's the whole point, right, is that they only come once a year, so just kind of spoil yourself. Listen, listen. My leg has turned into a Reese's White chocolate peanut butter tree, okay? So it's getting a little uncomfortable over here for me. I think it starts to become a problem when your hand becomes that. I don't think the leg matters. I don't know, man. It's getting too weird with these with these candy snacks. See, you could have made your teeth, though, the white Christmas trees. And then you could have just been eating white Christmas trees forever. It's, it's getting too real, man. It's getting too real. Well, <laughs> let's put that to the side for a second. And you're listening to a brand new episode of Markers on the Map, the game where the bug snacks aren't as they seem. But more on that later. We're going to talk about a little bit of the plot later on in this episode. But for right now, I wanted to ask you how, since we are recording this the day before Thanksgiving, but we're not posting until after Thanksgiving. Um, I was going to ask you, since it's going to be Black Friday, and Black Friday's a little different and weird this year, um, not really going to be happening in stores and mostly online, have you ever had any cool experiences uh, with, you know, getting games or movies and stuff on, on Black Friday before, or any stories you want to share? No. Uh, what I mean by no is I never shop Black Friday. Uh, oh. Last year was the first I actually went Black Friday shopping. Um, I think I got like, I think I got Borderlands 3 for like 20 bucks and it wasn't for me or for someone else. For me, I always go Black Friday shopping, so it's kind of weird for me this year, but, uh, I always go and buy a bunch of games and like get stacks of games and movies and stuff and, and end up putting like five of them back before I get to the checkout because I'm like, do I really need this even though it's $15 or $20? But last Black Friday, I managed to get like... A good amount of Switch games, like Killer Queen Black, uh, Enter the Gungeon, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. A lot of good stuff goes on sale for Black Friday. A 20 to $15 Blu-ray. It, it, that's, yeah, I, that's justified to put it back. Like, do you really need it? That's 15 yeah. 20 bucks. I mean, if you put five of those back, that's almost a whole game right there. But, uh, 
you know, the deals are usually good. I think this year I'm gonna get that Need for Speed Hot Pursuit remastered and Control because they're on sale. But honestly, I I'm not feeling Black Friday this year because of everything that's going on in the world. I'm usually really hyped up for it, but since I'm not gonna be going to any stores, it's just meh. Uh, I think the only one I have my eye on is Death Stranding for twenty, but that's pretty much it. I only get like one or two things. I would recommend the Death Stranding at twenty. Especially if maybe at some point they announce a PS5 update, that'd be really cool. I just think Black Friday, in general, is not is no longer going to be a day anymore because it was what it was the day after Thanksgiving. Then it became the day of Thanksgiving, like in the in the evening. And I've noticed since last year that I got oh wait I got got because technically in some way I did get stuff for Black Friday last year besides Borderlands, mm-hmm. but. I didn't get them on Black Friday. I got God of War and Spider-Man for like 30 bucks. For uh, I think God of War was like 10 and Spider-Man was 20. Mm, I got oh them, yeah, that's right. I got them for like Black Friday price. But I think that's my point where I think most things won't really be Black Friday a whole one day. It'll be like the whole month. because you Yeah, that's get... kind of what they did this year. Yeah, they, they'll put out some deals early. So, you know, a lot of games are on sale. It's a perfect time for people to catch up on stuff they might not have gotten. But I think this year I managed to kind of get things on launch day that I wanted. And I only regret getting one thing on launch day this year. Usually I I try not to regret things and usually I enjoy the games I get. Whether or not I play them a lot when I get them. But Avengers. Avengers is like $30 right now. Oh, that came out like two months ago? In September. (laughs) Oh boy. And, and it wouldn't be an episode of our little show if we didn't bring up the Avengers game in some way. So I was gonna, let's just start our news. Avengers hasn't recouped its production cost yet. That is worrying. Uh, Avengers hasn't recouped its production cost yet. And how much do they invest in this? Um, I'm not entirely sure of the number, but, you know, a lot. Because it's the Avengers IP, and I just... It's so bizarre to me how this didn't take off just based off the name, but that just goes to show you that maybe that doesn't work anymore. No, I don't think a name alone can... I I just... I don't know, because it does sound like, oh, it is Avengers. It's the hype of it, so you would assume that anything consumers will just, like, take it, but I think times have changed. I don't think people are just going to take anything anymore just because it has the name of it. Which might be good for games in the long run, you know. It might give us a chance to have better games and not just people relying on the name. But time will tell with that. So we got a few other news stories this week. Um, Let's talk about the game company Jupiter. So back in 2007, this company made two games for the Nintendo DS. They made Picross uh, DS which is a nonogram puzzle-solving game, and they made The World Ends With You along with Square Enix, which is kind of like a pseudo-RPG where you play controlling two characters, one on the top screen, one on the bottom. You fight little, like, graffiti beasts called Noise, and you go through, like, a hyper-stylized version of Tokyo, and it was really cool. Probably one of the best games on the DS. They re-released it for the Switch, and I wasn't a fan because it was single Joy-Con control, and much like with Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, I'm not a fan of that, but both of those games, uh, both of those series, I should say, are getting brand new releases, um, one this week, actually, 
on Thanksgiving, Picross S5 is coming out, and I'm a huge fan of this game. These nonogram puzzles, they're very relaxing to me, and I've been playing them for years, so this is the fifth one. I'm saying right now, game of the year, I thought it was going to be S4 because it came out earlier this year, but S5 is looking to be a lot better. Um, but the big one here for people is Neo, The World Ends With You. It takes that World Ends With You look, and it looks like they've got kind of a dynamic kind of battle system this time. You always use pins in The World Ends With You, so each one would do something different. Like if you slide it across the touchscreen, it might do a sword slash, or if you like rubbed it to touch screen it might do some kind of like firework effect or something or some might heal you so it looks like they've taken this and turned it into more like a third person action game so it's coming out for switch of the ps4 and i'm kind of on board with a, a ds game getting a sequel for for consoles and changing from a dual screen 2d to like a third person 3d adventure game it sounds it looks pretty cool i don't know if you've seen any artwork or like bits of the trailer but if not definitely check it out i mean isn't the switch technically a handheld it's yeah the switch is a handheld technically yeah it's like i think nintendo doesn't consider it i mean they consider it a console but i don't think it's a like home console it's it's a handheld hybrid which is i say yeah. it's weird the switch is in a weird limbo where it's like is it a home console or a handheld i think more handheld because they really aim it towards that it's like the Switch version of the original you can play with the touchscreen, but I don't really like using the touchscreen on the Switch. I was hoping I could play it like with a controller, but then they have the single Joy-Con thing. But this one, since it's also on PS4, is probably going to have controller options, not going to be reliant on touch. But I am cautiously excited about this because I haven't really enjoyed something, you know, Nomura's worked on, like as much as the world ends with you since the world ends with you like you know kingdom hearts 3 and all that but yeah we'll see how this goes um that monster hunter movie that's coming out in december i believe i think we were talking about it and i guess it does come out in december correct me if i'm wrong um is crossing over with the monster hunter world game by getting like new armor and cosmetics and stuff uh the movie crossover thing i, I can't think of any other concrete examples off the top of my head that did that but there's been some and it's always kind of like weird isn't the director of the monster hunter movie the same person that did resident evil i'm not sure but i wouldn't be surprised because it's also mila jovovich i am i'm pretty sure i heard that somewhere i wouldn't be surprised I, i'm guessing if if i'm wrong obviously like i'm wrong i'll, I'll figure that out later but if it is is not their first rodeo with the video game based movie yeah and this movie actually like i haven't seen any full trailers but i've seen some clips and the cg looks pretty decent it looks like pretty much like you'd expect something like diablos to look maybe the the curse of video game movies will be i mean it's been lifting kind of with some but maybe it'll get better and better as we go see scout program was the first where it shouldn't have gotten the curse because it's a good movie and you can consider it a video game movie, but it obviously it flopped. But obviously, after it came out on DVD, it did much better. It had a cult mm-hmm. following. I feel like that was the first like good video game movie. Yeah, graphic novel game or movie that's like similar to games. Either way, I love that movie. I think that's we both love movie. that movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> and whenever they drop that remaster, 
It said holidays. There's a holiday coming up, and then the holiday next month. <laughs> Come on, Ubisoft. Alright, let's talk PS5. Um, there's been PS5 shortages. Why? Scalpers. But mm-hmm. also, Sony tweeted out this morning that it was their biggest launch ever, so... I can't blame people for wanting a PS5. It's a really nice piece of equipment. It reminds me of when the 3 came out, but not to the point where it's like the price that it came out with. Like the, the, the PS3 came out with like what $600 in like 2006. Mhm. Well, so I feel like obviously that was a lot, but this came out now in 2020 for 500. And it's riding off the PS4 like success because the PS4 was a very successful generation console with a massive install base. Yes, so I I can see how it's high demand and people really do want it because it's not that bad of a price because it's 500 and you get 4K frames, 4K player up to 8K resolution like videos. And you know it seems just like they're dedicated to making this pretty much the best thing they can because they're, they, they've got this massive install base and of course they'll continue going on with the PS4 for a while but it just seems like Sony are so dedicated to making everything just kind of work. Like the UI is such an improvement. The frames are being prioritized but also if you wanted to play in a resolution mode you could do that too. You could play a game at 3 and have ray tracing if you wanted if you have that desire but at this point i don't even care about the resolution being at 4k or 8k because i it's hard to go back to anything but 60 frames after playing that spider-man game man for me it's the frames and the load times like oh that's zero low times course, that's, and frames that goes without saying but i like i've said it is a new generation i don't think most people need a PS5. It's more of a want because Sony will still yeah. support the PS4. If you can get your hands on the 5, go for it. But I wouldn't go out of the way to spend more than retail price for it. Just yeah. wait for Sony will make more. There will always be more PS5s. I don't think that Sony is manufacturing the the FOMO, the fear of missing out. I don't think that's being created by them like other companies might do with limited edition things or certain things that are scarce or something. I, I don't think their goal is to create it. Yeah. So I I take solace in that. It's a pretty good feeling to have. Oh, I was going to say, and also you can always wait for the second version of the PS5 because obviously when you are a launch person, you just take that, like I said last week's episode, we take that title of, well, if this breaks, I'm going to have to go to the headache of trying to get it fixed or you know all the hiccups at the beginning of a cons uh, a launch of a console usually have so it's always it's still good to wait either yeah. for the slim or even the second version of the first model and speaking of second revisions everybody thinks that the switch pro is going to be like out or announced on april 1st because on march 31st is when like er- like super mario maker online is stopping and the 3d collection uh, stops being sold physically and digitally and all that other stuff that's ending on March 31st. But I think on April 1st, they're just going to say April Fool's. We were joking. <laughs> no, they're just on April, they're going to be like, April Fool's, Nintendo no longer exists. We're getting rid of everything. They're just going to Thanos snap the whole like Nintendo entertainment systems away. Every single one of them is going to disappear. I would be so sad because Shin Megami Tensei 3 is coming out on the Switch. <laughs> I think in March. I... <laughs> 
Um, so speaking of PS5 stuff, um, Siege is getting an update pretty soon, right? Yeah, uh, I think uh, December 1st. What are they going to do with this one? I believe for PS5 and Xbox Series X, um, base it is an upgrade. It's not uh, an enhance or boost mode. It is oh, uh, cool. completely a new game. I believe so. Because they really emphasizing that it is next-gen upgrade. So our example is PS5. So for PS5, is vice versa with the Xbox Series X. You're getting two modes, performance and then uh, resolution. Uh, obviously, performance, you get dynamic 4K with 120 frames. And then with uh, resolution, you get 4K 60. Uh, obviously, people are like, what's the difference between dynamic and natural 4K? Obviously, dynamic 4K, they're just trying to upscale it to look 4K, but it's not really true 4K compared to it being true native 4K. Uh, there's a slight difference. It's obviously one of those, it just matters what you have. But since what I'm playing on, I can't hit 120. I'll probably do the 4K 60. Being able to hit 4K 60 in and of itself is, is very impressive because usually when you have 4K, like in Miles Morales, you have to run the game at 30 frames. Yeah, and it's also to the point where people are like oh it's just gonna look like clear it's just gonna be 4k well when you upgrade to the next gen console i'm pretty sure they're gonna add like new lighting and new colors and shading and like the whole hdr and all that so things will look more vibrant the shadows will be you know the shadows will be more black and then the lights will really emphasize how things look yeah and it's it's similar to how I was saying. I don't have HDR on my TV because I'm just on a 1080p um, TV. But something about the games looks a lot like brighter or more vibrant to me. Like Ghost of Tsushima, those that grass is a lot brighter than it was on the PS4. And I don't know if it's because of my console settings or it's because boost mode or, or whatever Ghost gets runs and just changes how things look fundamentally. But I'm really enjoying the visual improvements that i'm getting on my end even on the 1080p tv i'll uh, like I'll, I'll get it i'll upgrade to the ps5 version i'll see i'll give more coverage on that probably when i get my hands on it and it, yeah it's, it's coming december in a couple 1st. weeks right yeah december 1st so it's like a week away all right so we got some ps plus games coming out on december 1st as well we have worms rumble now from what i know of worms it's like a multiplayer game where you would like launch your worm and use an attack to like knock people down i've I've seen a few videos um of it being played but this one looks more like a tactical shooter almost this one kind of looks like the hero shooter version of worms it's brand new for ps5 in um december so it's like a brand new game for ps5 um I am slightly interested from looking at the trailer today. Uh, I haven't seen the trailer, so I wouldn't really have an opinion on it right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically like a arena of 32 people, and you just launch your worms, but there's guns and stuff. It looks cool. What I'm really excited about for, though, is Just Cause 4. Now, Just Cause 3 was a PS Plus game once, and... It, I like it because in Just Cause, you just go around blowing stuff up and it's really cool and fun and the world is big and you've got... Everything's pretty good except for the driving. Now, the problem is the frame rate, which is, like, awful. And I think the PS4 is the first console that can reliably run this game at 30 frames. The Series X probably can too, the, the third one. So I'm, like, cautious about the fourth one because I'm sure it'll only run 30, but, man... 
if you want a game where you can just go and do whatever you want and just cause nothing but madness and destruction because everything you can hit blows up and sets off chain reactions, then I think Just Cause is the game for you. I was interested in Just Cause. I was looking at it because I'm like, I want a game... I just want a dumb game. I was like, I just want a game where I can do what I want with no consequences. Oh, yeah. I just like, I don't want to worry about missions. I just want to do some fun things because I miss those glory days of Grand Theft Auto, like San Andreas, where you can add like really dumb, like cheat codes to make the cars like fly around. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, I want a game like that where I could just do really dumb things and not care about anything and just have fun. So I was interested in Just Cause, but since now it's a PlayStation Plus game, I'll give it a try. And, you know, I'm also excited because I've almost bought Just Cause 4, like, 50 times. Seriously, it's on sale a lot, and I've almost bought it so many times. But, um, I remember back to Just Cause 3, you had, like, this tether, and you could connect, like, a car to, a like, an explosive to something else, and you could, like, either bring them all together or set off a chain reaction. Really, it's one of those games where if you can think it, you can do it. As long as it's within the, it's it's like Death Stranding in that where if it's like where there's a will, there's a way. Except in Just Cause, it's like well, if I want to blow it up in this spectacular fashion, maybe I want to launch this car up to this helicopter and have it spin through the air. So stuff like that is very fun. I mean, it wears thin fast, but enjoy it for uh, an hour here or there with Just Cause. Yeah. Um, the other games, Rocket Arena, a game I. Th- thought i would like back when it came out and was gonna buy it for like five dollars at one point because it did really go on a huge sale it's a 3v3 hero shooter kind of like overwatch i'm kind of not interested but you know what i'll play it on ps plus it's if it's free it's it's worth a try you're paying for ps plus right i mean i think uh rocket league before it was even rocket league they had a game before it on the ps3 that was exactly like Rocket League. It was the same concept, but it didn't do well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Supersonic battle rocket power cars or whatever. Yeah, it didn't do well at all until they made Rocket League and they made it free to play. And now Rocket League is like, everyone plays it. Because one, yeah. it was free on PlayStation Plus, so everyone wanted it. And now it's free to play, so everyone does play it. So sometimes you do maybe need to put out a game free for a month. But you never know. It could get that following that you it craved for. I mean, look at Fall Guys, look at Bug Snacks. There's a lot of games that have really benefited from PS Plus and are very popular in the ether now, especially Bug Snacks. Like, that took off. It was a meme game, and, and then they made it free for a month, and people played it, and they're like, wow, this is actually an awesome game, a great new IP. So, with news out of the way, I have here in my hands a Nintendo Direct Rumor. It's called Sonic Paint. Ever wonder what Mario Paint would look like in the modern day? Well, Sega does what Nintendo don't in this brand new Switch game, sure to bring hours and hours of fun. Paint with the broadest selection of colors ever featured in a video game, with the Joy-Con controller or the included stylus. Create masterpieces featuring all your favorite Sega characters, like the car from OutRun, the guy from Comic Zone, and yes, even your main man Knuckles. That's right, it's Sonic Paint, a PS5 and series game is what it ain't. It's on the Switch, and it's not a glitch, 
Your eyes do not deceive you, and you can stream it on Twitch. Do what you want, and do what you will. The game is a platform where the goal is not to kill. It's to impress with art, and do your part. Knuckles is telling you that you better start. Mix beats with Blaze, from Streets of Rage or Sonic, along with a ukulele crossover. You know, the game from Platonic. An endless array of characters and songs you will be creating all night long. Don't trip, because on the Switch you can save a 30 second clip to post on social networks so your friends don't lose a grip. Blow! Give me some knuckles, that's what I'm saying, because the Keeper of the Emeralds is never playing. And on top of that, you get a full catalog of Sega classics, like the ones that gets released every few years, but this one has Sonic 3 and Knuckles, with the original Ice Cap Zone music. Sonic Paint! Sega is what Nintendo ain't. I have the biggest grin on my face right now. I... <laughs> I I'm waiting for the first full studio album to be... All uh, created all in Sonic Paint. I I don't know what you I don't know what uh, your thoughts on that are, but oh man, uh, Sonic Paint. Uh, interesting. Uh, I'm interested in it. Uh, I have like the original Mario Paint actually. I have the little mouse and everything. Uh, well, I gotta get that fixed. You don't though. need a mouse with this one. You could just use a Joy-Con controller. Uh, I mean, we'll see. You never know. Sonic Paint could be that franchise that, you know, outdo Mario in. Because it seems like the only thing Sonic really outdid Mario in was the first kind of 16-bit generation. But he's been kind of like, all pun intended, he's been kind of a little slow in falling back between Mario Shadow. So hopefully this gets him out of there. Yeah, I think with with an art media platform like this, you can do anything. You can make custom levels, you can do artwork, of course, songs. That's the big one for, for the community is to, to make songs. Um, I'm expecting plenty of mixtapes, even full-on studio albums, to be released using the Sonic Paint software. Um, I think it'll be better than all other Switch uh, media apps. I think they're doing a Korg one. Uh, so, you know, I, I and with Knuckles... I mean, of course, you've got Knuckles in this game, and and nothing really tops that, okay? <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I think our Mario Maker has something to be afraid now. Yeah. So, now it's going to be, is now it's going to have to stay up at night with one eye open because Sonic <laughs> is on his way. Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to this one. I think it's supposed, to, I think the rumor says it's supposedly dropping, you know, next holiday. So, mm-hmm. keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes peeled. Robert, let's talk about some games. All right. Let's uh, talk about what you've been playing recently. I'm what curious. I've been playing. What have uh, you been playing? Uh, There's one game that we'll get to later that I, we both beat. We'll get to that one later. We'll save that for the end. But I've been playing for PS5, Resident Evil 7, again. Um, Some Siege and some Overwatch here and there. But one thing I picked up that... Your surprise that I picked up was Bloodborne. Yep. <laughs> Cause I, I I picked it up when it came when it came out on PlayStation Plus and I was just like, uh, never mind, it's not for me. But then my friend who was like, Hey, cause you said there was also a multiplayer like option that you can play with your friends. Yeah, of course. Co op. And then my friend was like, hey, there's like, I told him, like, there is multiplayer now. He was like, well, let's do it. I was like, all right, let's do a rage game. Um, same thing. We're to the point where I was like, you know what? 
it's just not for me. But at, by all means, you convince me again to reinstall it. And, and since you plat the game, you're probably the best person I know personally that knows what to do in this game. Yeah, it it's the second hardest game I've ever played. But I did get the plat uh, and with minimal co-op from a friend of mine from college. But still had to do co-op for a couple of the bosses. The thing about Bloodborne is... And we'll... We are definitely doing some Rage Game episodes in the future, but the thing about Bloodborne is you have some choices in how you want to play, unlike uh, Sekiro, where you don't. So you can really kind of tailor your Bloodborne experience to how you like to play, you know, video games or games like this. You can choose different weapons. If you want a fast weapon, a slow weapon, you can spec your character in a certain way whereas in Sekiro it's something like you've got to master parrying in Sekiro and you've got to parry a hundred times every time you fight a boss so um the beginning of Bloodborne is one of those overwhelming instances in a video game I think yeah uh I can say from I mean I've done it twice where I'm like I can't do this because I try to like just go forward without really understanding how bloodborne works and i'm just like this is too hard i'm not gonna rage over this and then same thing happened twice as i thought well i just have to go forward and not really think about what to do but then uh i didn't realize you can actually upgrade your character like even in the first area so that's what i was doing and i was upgrading my character and you were telling me like yeah just farm realistically farm the like kind of entry area where all like the mobs are at and i did that until i probably got to like i think like level 21 wow yeah i i did that until i got to level 21 until and also i kind of got used to how the game actually works yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with um farming like that in in bloodborne or a game like that because you are still going to be required by the game to have a degree of skill even at higher levels to fight some of these bosses um especially bosses later on like the shadow of yarnum where you've got three bosses coming at you all at once attacking you with different things like fire or swords so so that's something to look forward to that's that's a that's a part i almost quit bloodborne at (laughs) (laughs) so you did beat the cleric beast right yes uh was it at all difficult after you had leveled up that high realistically and all honesty no yeah uh, i i so i had to find an insight i believe they're called insights right the, yeah. i have to find one of those in order to obtain the abandoned doll in the like dream area and then i, I was like well i have to go find one uh i just randomly ran into him i didn't mean to find the boss i was just like well i'm stuck here I give it my best shot, and then uh, obviously I didn't end up winning that fight, but I, I, ta- I obtained uh, one of the sites, so I was like, okay, now I can at least upgrade, you know, some things here and there to the point where mm-hmm. at twenty one, I'm like, okay, I can kind of beat the big guys a little bit better. Uh, these werewolf guys or these wolf monsters, I don't know what they are. They're like just wolf. They're monsters. like wolf they're, men. Yeah, they're, I don't. They're, I don't think they're even werewolves. They're just like big old wolf monsters, but. I was like, I, they're kind of a little bit easier. They used to be hard, but they're kind of easy right now. So I'm like, I think I can go at him because I was picture to picture mode with my friend. So we were mm-hmm. both like kind of just like helping each other out, like kind of figuring things out. But he beat it first. But 
I'm surprised because he's he went to that boss and almost killed it without leveling up. Yeah, it's you. You're meant to be able to beat Bloodborne without leveling up at all, actually. Like I'm surprised that he did it the first try. I tried doing that my first try. I'm just I can't even get past like the mob. I'm like I always die at that part, but I beat him my second try. Uh, wasn't that difficult? But yeah. obviously it wasn't difficult, but it wasn't easy either. It's like I wasn't sweating it, but I, I wasn't just kind of laid back. I was kind of still on my toes. Not to put you off of the game or anything, but Father Gascoin is where a lot of people had their first big, like, trouble with the game um, at the very beginning. And Father Gascoin is your first real boss. And then the thing that scares me off, the first time I had to do co-op was Vicar Amelia, who is the third boss if you do Cleric Beast or if you do the Bloodstarved Beast, which is another one for people. Then Vicar Amelia is the fourth boss, I believe. But then you have bosses later on in the game, and I know you know some of them because we've talked about it, that are, are easy. There's a few bosses like the Witch of Hemwick who's really easy, like doesn't isn't really aggressive at all. And it's got this weird difficulty shift that you might expect something to be hard when it's not, or you might expect something that looks very like easy. Like the Shadow of Yarnum doesn't look imposing. They look like people in cloaks. But that's probably the hardest boss in the game, if we're being honest. So, Bloodborne has this thing where it's like, don't judge a book by its cover, I guess. I, I just have to I just have to say, I've never played any Souls game. Hey, it was my first Souls game, too. Bloodborne's my first ever. But, I mean, you done, you've done Sekiro, and you've done all that, so Bloodborne probably should be much easier. But I've seen all the Souls games, like obviously Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and like anything from software I've seen, but I've never, I just never played. Bloodborne is like my first like experience at all, like going for this franchise. I think the first Souls game you play is always the hardest, um, disregarding Sekiro, because I thought Sekiro, because of your lack of getting to play how you want, um, made it harder. But I th- like people say Dark Souls Three is harder than Bloodborne, but I thought it was way easier than Bloodborne. So I always think that the first one that you play is the hardest. Why? Because you're getting used to the mechanics of a Souls game. You're getting lose uh, used to losing all of your souls, or in this your blood echoes, I guess, um, when you die, and having to kill the enemy that killed you to get him back. Otherwise, you might lose thousands and thousands of echoes, which level you up. So it's a uh, definitely a great first souls game though that was like the i don't know i'm still i'm gonna stick to it you convinced me because i i legit was like a second time was like it's not for me i uninstalled it even my friend was like yeah we're not gonna do this but then you convinced me to do it so i'm like all right i give it a shot i think if it's really like i'm pretty sure you can get more than two people in on bloodborne co-op too if something is like impossible impossible because I know you can get, like, four in Dark Souls 3, so... I mean, I've never done more than two in Bloodborne, but if push comes to shove, I could always load up my game and hop in, and we can make contacts, which is my favorite emote in Bloodborne, and fight some uh, Lovecraftian nightmares. <laughs> it's to the point where I was like, am I actually having fun? Where at first I'm like, I hate this game, I don't want to play it, to the point where I was finishing off the night where I was like, am I actually having fun? I would say no, but once you get the swing of it, 
I found it to be very enjoyable. With exceptions. The Defiled Chalice, an optional thing you need to do for the plat, is not fun. <laughs> and uh, a few of the bosses, like Vicar Amelia, or the Shadow of Yarnum, or Rom, the spider, are not fun. But most of the stuff in that game, after you've gotten the swing of the gameplay, how it works, what to do, what not to do, explore everything, look everywhere, you know, watch out for traps, it, it's pretty, pretty cool. It's stressful. It's a good game. I will not say I will not say that Bloodborne is not a good game because it is a great game. I mean, that's what I've been doing for the past week. What have you been playing? Um, I have done some PS5 plats. I finished Miles Morales, Astro, and Bug Snacks plat. We're gonna talk about Bug Snacks here in a couple minutes, but um, I thoroughly enjoyed Astro. And getting the plat on that and seeing all the references. Same with Spider-Man, Miles Morales. It was another really chill, easy plat. So um, for the remaster, they let you transfer your save over now. But you know what? I'm just going to earn the plat again. I think it would be more fun to do that. Because they said if you transfer your saves over, you'll you'll get all your trophies. But you know what? I bought Miles Morales to uh, the ultimate version just to also have remastered. So I'm not going to cheat myself out of... Um, working towards another plat with a game I really enjoy. So I've been doing that. I have been playing Godfall. I got to the second realm. This game is like, I don't get why people are hating on it. Cause for me, it's like borderlands with swords. Like we were saying, Sorderlands. And it's, I, I, the graphics are beautiful. I don't know how they get that good of graphics to run at 60 frames, but I guess that's just how the PS5 rolls right now. Um, kind of like a hybrid like sword combat looter shooter because like it, it does play like a third person shooter where you aim a reticle at an enemy and then you slash your sword but there's a lot of different techniques you can use um the weapons all look really cool i don't know for me it's just like this colorful explosion of like gaudiness and the super serious nature of the plot doesn't fit what I'm seeing on the screen so the plot kind of is just in the background for me because like it plays very well and that's really all I can ask for for a game like this I I've always enjoyed the idea of Borderlands where you have a game that looks like a game as a service and acts like a game as a service but is not a game as a service so you don't have to worry about waiting for content to drop all the time i'm sure you're in the same boat yeah i mean you try to convince me but it is kind of hard to really convince someone to get in a new ip but yeah, it, you said it's borderlands with swords as far as like convincing people to get it it is a full price ps5 game so I understand that convincing someone to go and spend 70 dollars a game is hard but i'd say because it's not a live service when the price drops, people can get it and enjoy it to the same capacity knowing that they didn't miss any special live service events or things that they can't earn, which is something I appreciate about Borderlands because you and me could pick up Handsome Collection right now and pop in Borderlands 2 and it would be the same game it's been since 2015 when Handsome Collection came out. Oh yeah, uh, same thing with Borderlands 3. Yeah. Uh, it does have. Here's the thing: is that it does have those events, quote unquote, but they they're always back. They're never mm -hmm. uh, one and done. They're always back every year. And that's something more more or less unique to Borderlands Three. 
because the other ones had Headhunter DLCs where you can play your Thanksgiving or Christmas things anytime you wanted to. Um, and in addition to uh, Godfall, I bought a Switch game. Uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity uh, came out. Now, gameplay-wise, that's the best Warriors game I've ever played. Now, I, I've never liked this about Warriors where you have to manage multiple characters on on a level. Um, Sengoku Basara for example, made by Capcom, was a, a Warriors-like game where you chose a character and that was the only character you had to play as. So Warriors games from Koei Tecmo always have this thing where you have to switch between characters and give orders and tell them where to go. I don't like that. However, this is the best um, Warriors game I've ever played because it's very beautiful um, and the combat is very different compared to other games. You've got your standard sword user like Link, but then you've got... Uh, Zelda, who uses, like, her Shake a Slate to, like, shoot runes out or something. And then you've got Mifa, who, like, climbs on little geysers that shoot out of the ground. Or Impa, who, like, clones herself. So you can have, like, five of her uh, running around and, and, and attacking enemies. So in the gameplay department, it's really good. Where it's not good is the frame rate. Um, and especially after playing something like Godfall at 60 frames going and playing a game that looks like Breath of the Wild and it not being able to be at a stable 30 is a little jarring. Um, I've had dips to like the 10s. So I, I can't not be, I can't not mention the frame rate as good as the game is. It's like once you really do play 60, it's like, I think the Switch does probably need a pro to probably hit 40, 60 because yeah. that's what I feel like they're trying to aim for. So I think hitting 10 sometimes, that's probably, like, a bummer because after playing the PS5. Yeah. And it's, like, with a Warriors game, the Switch has shown that it can run 60. I think Fire Emblem Warriors had a mode that can run 30 with higher resolution. Or they could just, they had a mode that was, like, 720-60. And I honestly wouldn't mind playing a Breath of the Wild-looking game at 720. It doesn't really matter to me. It's Warriors. You do the same thing in every Warriors game. Um, this one has better gameplay, sure, but you're still ultimately uh, slashing at a thousand enemies in a level and capturing bases. That's what it boils down to. It, it's another game where the story is pretty much just there for me. Like, I wasn't too keen on Breath of the Wild's story, so this really hasn't done much for me. But the, the characters are cool and everything. Um, I haven't played too much of this yet, because I've been working and plotting a certain... Uh, bug snack type game but uh yeah I'll, I'll, I'll probably have some more thoughts on this pretty soon it's been a busy week for for games i think and i think what we need to get to here is bug snacks so oh, yeah. what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk a little about the characters and plot and then uh i'll tell our listeners when they might want to stop listening to this episode because of spoilers okay so i'll 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 mention it before we talk about it, but um, who was your favorite character in Bug Snacks? Ooh, probably Bethica. Bethica, yeah, I really she's pretty her. funny. She's the one who kind of just wants to snoop and get dirt on everybody, and you know, she's kind of like the gossip, like magazine type person of the Bug Snacks world. Oh yeah, uh, I really, I don't know, I just every mission that I got from her was never like annoying, so it was kind of yeah. funny. 
She was the one who wanted you to look at what people were doing at midnight and uncover their secrets. Um, but for me, I liked Befica, but you know who was funnier to me? Chandlo. Oh, Chandlo's great too. They're both good to me. Chandlo was like the the bro, like the dude of like Bug Snacks, who was like the guy who lifts and when when Befica wanted you to go get dirt on him, you go up to his place at midnight and he looks at you and he's like, No nah, man, I got nothing. No secrets. What you see is what you get. I thought it was really funny. And then <laughs> towards the ending, when they're at the party, he like does this handstand and he's like, Maybe I should drink this do uh, upside down, bro. So like and it, it just helps that he was voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, who does, you know, Spider Man. Uh, Suzaku from Code Geass, Sasuke from Naruto, doing this like weightlifting dude's voice. It just, I thought I thought he was a really endearing co- uh, character. And also, he's my favorite color, which is that light green color. Um, other good characters, I think. Um, Snorpy was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like all the character. I don't think there was a bad character. No, they're I all think pretty they great. all had a like a endearing story to them. I'm trying to think. There's like. What's the red one? Cromdo? Cromdo. When you meet him at first, he's annoying because he's the hardest to convince to get back to town because he has to do so much. Yeah. But I think he's probably the second worst just because, not because of their personality, it's just the missions they give you. Yeah. Did you finish all the side quests? No. I just wanted to see what the ending was before I, I, because I was like, well, I can always just go back and do all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the side quests, I won't spoil the side quests for you, but the endings of the side quests usually reveal more about a character's, like, history or personality. And I thought that Cromdo's was really, like, poignant. So, make sure you do all the side quests so you can see the endings of these character stories because they, they hit hard. (laughs) Like, I, I can't believe that this game that we thought was gonna be a meme game ended up being something so like utterly bizarre yet endearing and honestly one of the best games and new ips i've seen in years it's to the point where i'm happy i was interested in this game regardless of it being new or not i was like i'm interested i don't think it was gonna be full price it was gonna be like what 40 bucks when it came out. 30 or 40 it was right or yeah. it will be when PS Plus ends. But um, I was interested in it. I was going to pick it up. But then it went free to play. So like, okay, I'm, I'm for sure going to play it. It's such a good game to the point where if they make a sequel, I'm like, I'll be there. Like, I'll 100% will be there if they make a sequel to this game. Or something. It's not... This is... Bugsnacks, the genre that it is, which is like a point-and-click game turned action-adventure... Um, is not a genre I would usually go for, but they made it so welcoming in the sense that you're instantly interested in the characters because they've got really good personality and the voice acting I thought was top-notch in this, um, especially with the voice actors that I recognized, which was most of them. Um, and to do something like that with a new IP that people are making jokes about when the game gets announced you know back in june and to have it come out and be this very emotional and like heartfelt story 
I think is a triumph for the team and for games uh, as a whole, to be honest. Like, I can't say enough good things about this game. It's a young horse, right? People that made Octodad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, the team worked on Octodad before. And now I haven't played that, but now this makes me want to go back and look at what their previous work was. It's just a really good game. And then yeah. I'm really happy that people are giving it a chance now because it d- did go free to play for the first month of uh ps5 launch yeah you said one of your other friends wasn't interested and he plat them the game before i did oh yeah and it's an easy plat but it's a good plat because he was genuinely surprised at how good it actually was it's not like like it's all memes aside it's actually a really good game it's it doesn't have like head scratching like what do i do here it does but not to the point where it's like it's impossible and you don't figure it out. It is kind of one of those things where, like, eventually you will figure it out, but it doesn't have, I guess, tedious side missions. Yeah. I don't think anything feels like a chore. Yeah. And if you're tripped up on how to catch something, the PS5 activity cards, like I said last week, will tell you exactly what to do. Um, now, sometimes with the bug snacks that split apart, the activity cards didn't help me that much, so I had to look it up online, and then sometimes I still didn't get it. You have to, like, burn or freeze them and then trip them with the tripwire, but I digress. Most of the bug snacks were fun to catch. I think the worst one was the flaming cheap poof, because, wow, that one did not give you any kind of wiggle room. Other And, oh, caramel pop tick. He sucks, because oh. I had to sleep until it rained, and that was a lot of sleeping. Because he only shows up in the rain. But that's the only one that does that. But whatever. I think we need to talk about the ending of Bug Snacks. So for the first time ever on Markers on the Map, we are going to say spoiler alert. So if you don't want the ending of Bug Snacks spoiled for you, now might be a time to uh, mute us for a moment. <laughs> So, what are we thinking about the ending here? Were you caught off guard by it? Were you expecting it? For me, the ending. The whole point of the beginning between Liz and Egabel is that you don't know if they're alive or dead. It's kind of a mystery what happened. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> when I go up to the mountain, and I look down, and I just see Egabel just chilling right there. I'm like, um... Am I supposed to be this far in the game? I was like, let me explore a little bit before I go talk to Agabel. But then I'm like, I really can't do much. I found like the... Because throughout the game, it's always a mystery what's going on. When you do the first interviews with everyone... Because you have to do the interviews. Yeah. The characters will give you tips, uh, secrets, or clues. Like, I think uh, Crombo was like... There's a there was a boat on the beach and now it's not there anymore. Like I'm I'm thinking that they just you know they ran out on us. But there's always this, like they, everyone gives you a kind of a clue, and then yeah. I found Snorpy. He he gives you a a map saying that Liz came up to him because she found a door and that she needed help to open it. And then she went to him and then he was like, "Here's the location of it." Like this like obviously he tells it off the record where he's like. Don't, like, don't say this is off the record stuff. So, like, you go find it. I found it, and then I was like, well, I had to probably go talk to Agabel because it has nothing to do with her. So, went to her, and then she does the whole thing where it's like, 
her and, and Liz were stuck there because of the earthquake and then an avalanche happened and all that and then Liz like saved her life and now she's trying to like find her so now basically the rest of the end part of the game you're kind of on the mountain trying to figure out what happened and trying to open up the big gate and when you finally do you are greeted to this new uh, area of the game where the walls are made out of food and you are pursuing the snack squatch is what the trophy list refers to it as which is just like a combination of bug snacks taking human form or not human form grumpus form but not a grumpus so you're chasing this thing down you meet back up with uh uh philbo and eggabel and then you you finally meet lisbert you've been interviewing people searching for clues watching little film reels of lisbert the whole game and you finally meet lisbert but she has taken the form of like all of the boss monster bug snacks that are like the biggest ones like the the maki one and the birthday cake and all that and she has just turned into this like fallout one-esque monstrosity completely made out of like all the the meanest of the mean bug snacks but she's still sentient she hasn't been taken over and what does she tell us she tells us that the bug snacks are basically evil parasites that are getting uh, the grumpuses to e- eat them so that when they can eventually consume and take over their bodies. This is some. Uh, this is an absolute Resident Evil moment in, in Bug Snacks. This is Resident Evil Bug Snacks. This is what this is really is. I called it. I called it. I said this is a horror game. This is secretly a horror game. There's something scary about this. I mean, remember back. Like listeners wouldn't have heard this, but the test podcast, the first test podcast we ever did, we talked about the PS5 reveal, and we said that we thought this was going to be a horror game there was there's no way that this wasn't going to evolve into something like this but what surprised me is that it evolved in such a different way because i thought liz was going to have become a bug snack that you'd have to battle at the end what i was not expecting was her to be perfectly in control here of that of that giant bug snack she's fine yeah to a point she's losing her grip yeah, she's losing her grip, and it's obvious. Like, she's definitely strong because she absorbed the big versions of a lot of the bug snacks you fight in those um, side quest enders. But to have all the bug snacks, these innocent, cute-looking creatures, actually be parasites, uh, it's, it's like, one, it's surprising, and then, two, why didn't, why didn't I pick up on that from the start? They were parasitic. They're not animals, and they're not food. They're probably little microorganisms that take the shape of something, like those real strawberries that were dropping um, when you were talking to Lisbert. And I was like, why didn't I see it before? I sh- now that you mention it, they do mention, because I remember the rib. You gotta feed uh, Tiff... Triff. A rib. A Triff. You gotta feed her a rib. There's no bones yeah. in it. She says exactly. the bones are just meant to look like bones, but they're not really bones. So it's a qu- so like, okay, maybe they're just boneless rib you know little bug snacks but then wambus he says well they don't have any parts and they don't lay eggs they don't do anything they just kind of come out of the ground and leave a goop like and the whole point is that the core of the planet is just a big parasite and that's the whole point that it's real food in the center but then when they just kind of pop out of the ground and just become this parasitic like monster like bug thing 
So, I mean, he was right to the point where they do come out of the ground, but not because they, like, dig underground and then, you know, do what they need to do, come out, and there's new bugs next. No, it's parasites coming out of the ground from the core of the whole island coming out. And then, yeah, to think all along they were just waiting to take over. They, Lisbert says that they're, um, like, super intel. I forgot what the exact word was, but, man, it, it sent a chill down my spine. They're, like, super intelligent. They're very cunning and patient. And I was like, these things are completely deranged and evil. It was, like, a scary moment. Like, this whole moment was something straight out of Resident Evil or Fallout 1 where you're talking to something that is an abomination. And the worst comes when you get back to the island the worst slash best well i'll I'll tell you why i thought it was so clever how every single one of the bug snack traps that you got throughout the game was designed to be reappropriated as a weapon to kill them when they went evil i i thought that was very clever you didn't have any new tools at the end you only had your old ones that were changed into weapons because of how they were designed i thought that was cool so you have to save the the other grumpuses. Did any of yours die? Uh, no, they all okay. survived. That's cool. Cause actually, so like, there's a trophy for keeping them all alive because some of them can die. It's based on how well you're fighting and if you've completed all side quests. So if you haven't completed all side quests, you just fought really well, and that's why everybody stayed alive. But the worst part for me, I gotta say, is when my cute, adorable, sweet little bunger burrowed his little way out of the ground and started attacking me uh wambus and and triffany and i gotta say he hurt that one hurt the most when i had to shoot that explosive sauce at bunger cute little bunger traveling along saying bunger 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 it just my heart was broken that was the worst that when you have to betray your the one you thought you could call a friend such emotion such raw emotion but i'm okay so to the where so basically the island is parasite and then everyone has to escape so you have to fight off everybody like you have to this whole fight sequence of re, uh using your weapons you know repurpose as uh your tools or your tools repurpose as weapons uh-huh. and then right when you're about to leave egg and lisbert come out and save you from like the big like uh bug snacks i think it's like a flying pizza moth uh moth oh yeah and the moth like big supreme. watermelon yeah moth is and then, I mean? yeah it has like a sad like ending like the island basically explodes into like it's volcanoes so like obviously it's destroying the whole island but i guess the whole point is that no matter what the bug snacks will always survive but obviously the whole point is everyone just needs to get off eventually if you save everyone and all that you do get off the island you land on the beaches of like the native land and you kind of talk to everyone and all that it's like a really like you know just like kind of end all like sequence where it's like what well, everyone thinks at the end of what they're gonna do you go back to your job and uh you're fired i know i was so upset (laughs) your boss just tells you and oh yeah you're fired uh you were fired the second you left out that door and also you're technically legally dead so you're gonna have to uh clear that up yeah it's so upsetting so like you know philbo decides he's gonna run for the mayor and he wants your help cool now not, it, it didn't really register with me. Why is he fired and why is he legally dead? Until we get to that little MGS-style post-credits codec call between his yeah. employer and a mystery man. So, a quick, so quick, just quick example. In every Metal Solid game, 
every at the end of the credits and after all that like sequence there's a, a either a phone call or some chat kind of having at the end with no, just the logo of the game or something like that and you hear you know two characters just talking to each other and it kind of gives like a closure to what the game was and i call I, and then when i first initially saw the uh, mystery man your employer your boss i forget her name but they're talking and they're talking like we'll get to that but basically it is like Mary Grisella anywhere it kind of explains what's going on but also that's why I say it kind of if there's a sequel I'm for it because we'll explain why there's a potential sequel but let's just uh get to uh that end uh part yeah um she's talking with the mystery man who they're, they're basically talking about oh they they know about the island and stuff like that and they say something in Latin akin to like, uh, we are what we eat and there's something like till all our bug snacks or something. So it's like, recall Snorpy always being worried about the Grumpinati. It seems to me like the mystery man and the employer lady herself are members of the Grumpinati and, and our character probably realistically got fired for and pronounced legally dead for knowing too much. Um, then we see that Strabby from the, uh, the one that was hanging out with Gramble kind of emerged from the ship. So I think they're setting up a sequel here with the Grumpinati as the main villain. Something we thought was just, oh, it's Snorpy being all paranoid about everything. But no, in, in the world of Bugsnax, there is looking to be a secret society that, that is going to go on the offensive now that people are, are aware of the secrets. I mean, like I said, if there's a sequel, I'm for it now. I know. Imagine bug snacks, but they're in the city this time. Imagine, imagine the the big watermelon one in the city. Like, what's that one game like Monster Wars or like the PS2? Imagine if it was like that, but with bug snacks. Like, imagine a big old bonger. Like, I just kind of. I don't want to imagine a big old bonger. I'm so I'm so upset that. I mean, he could have chose not to be evil. I mean, yeah. He could have chose to follow the ketchup to peace. <laughs> I like this game. It was a good game. I think it's just a case for giving new IPs a shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes your meme game is actually a dream game in that it's really good. And if you have PS Plus, you have no excuse not to check this out. So I think that's all we got to say about Bug Snacks. Very good experience. Very. For 2020, this is a great game. Like, something new something in a genre we're not neither of us are really used to this point and click turned action adventure genre i don't have any negative things to say i thought it was great yeah i i give it an eight out of ten it's a generally good game for me i enjoyed it yeah and uh easy plot if you're into plots and yeah so we're we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for the week i think nothing else left to say for this week we'll we'll be back for our last november episode uh, oh no wait this is gonna be the last november episode it's gonna be december next time we we do an episode so look forward to all the Christmassy fun we got coming up as usual you can check us out on twitter at markers on the map listen to us on apple podcasts google podcasts and spotify thank you for your support i see the the numbers of people listening uh please follow us and, and, and interact we'd love to hear feedback and uh chat with people so yeah And hey, it's like we always say, at the end of the day, the real GoldenEye rogue agent was the friends we made along the way. So we'll see you next time. Bye.